Hello, my friends. Welcome back to Cloud Wars Live. We are digging into the digital revolution that is changing every facet of our lives. We are trying also to figure out what's going on these days in the crazy global economy and the impact that so much of the disruption is having on things. And we've gotten used to dealing with some uncertainty, but I think uncertainty is really sort of the order of the day today. So as we uh, swing to one of our favorite monthly guests, digital all-star Pat Fitzgerald. Pat is, uh, has had a terrific career in the tech market as a recruiter and executive recruiter. He's got his own company now <clears throat> called Career Ave, which he's the co-founder. Pat, it's great to have you. Thanks, Bob. It's good to be back. I appreciate it. And Pat, so today, right, uh, we've got these crazy things because on the one hand, we get some statistics saying that, uh, you know, unemployment is incredibly low. On the other side, there's, I think, probably a lot of anxiety among people. We've seen some companies that a year ago would have said would never lay people off, and now they are. So it's just a, a strange environment right now, Pat. What what are you hearing these days? Well, and, and I agree. I think, you know, really the unemployment rate is kind of a, and I, I never want to be political on this, but, you know, it's a mixed bag of, you know, are they all full time? Are they are they really professional level? And and I don't know the details on that. So the question is, is, you know, are there really good paying jobs being created for the future generations? And we've talked a lot about this in the past, Bob. but also to your point, you know, a lot of our clients, a lot of our friends that you and I have worked with over the years, you know, in the tech marketplace have done or are doing they're all doing hiring freezes. There are many of them have already done, you know, layoffs. Um, and, and, and I think we will continue to see that. Uh, I think that, which obviously allows for you and me to talk about a topic we've talked about in the past, which is, you know, how to deal with the, the, the marketplace, especially in, in turmoil, which we may very well see. I don't know what January is going to bring, but I do think it's going to be a challenging year, 2023, for all of the tech companies. So I think and we're going to find that a lot of those players that we know and, and the early talent, which is a really a topic that's on my heart lately uh, about, you know, how do they differentiate themselves and how do they think differently around uh, getting into the marketplace? So I'd love to be able to, you know, chat about that and then give some advice to our senior level players that are in the interview cycle asking questions they've never asked before. And I think that's going to be a big asset for, hopefully it'll be a big asset for, for many of us. Well, Pat, that sounds like, uh, you know, some fascinating stuff there. And I love it how you're, uh, you know, the, the, the folks you talk to and, and counsel and deal with and that you hear from all the time, they span everything from, you know, senior level executives to college kids and even into high school, right? You're yeah. encouraging yeah. that early talent people to, yeah. you know, start to think about this. So Pat, how, how does that, that spectrum look to you, you know, ranging from uh, seniors to the early talent that you described? So one of the things that my partner, Mark Hatfield and I do is we try to really hard to give back to the community. We volunteer at high schools and, and some of the private high schools and what have you, and just you know talk about the marketplace and how to interview and what have you. One of the things that's really been on my heart lately is the is the is the high school kids. We talk a lot about college grads, and I want to also talk about that a little bit today too. 
but the high school grads. You know, and I'm a big advocate of college. I think college is a big asset for everybody if it's done for the right reason. With the average cost of college in America today at $38,000, never mind, you know, room and board. The question is, does everyone have to go to college? And we all know that over the last decade, that's become a big push. And I, I don't fault it, right? Everyone wants to advance their children. So I know we're not going to be talking to high school kids today because they're not necessarily listening to this, but hopefully we're going to be talking to those parents of high school kids, you know, and I, and I have a, a lot, I've learned a lot and I've, you know, I've experienced an awful lot of this and, and my conversations with some of the high schools that we talk to, which is high school today is challenging. First and foremost, everyone needs a high school education. If you're going to be successful in America, stay in high school, get a high school education. There isn't a necessary drive, in my opinion. This is Pat's opinion, so I'm not trying to say this is founded on you know facts other than success that I've seen over the years. Right. Not everyone needs to go to college, but everyone needs to think about whether or not they should go into a trade school or an apprenticeship. Or even the military. I'm a big believer that the military for the right people is is the right avenue, especially someone coming out of a high school degree. When my kids were young, my kids are older now. Bob and I talk a lot about this and our grandchildren, which is wonderful. <laughs> but I made my kids read the original book. Now it's about 30 years old today of The Millionaire Next Door. And I would encourage parents of high school kids to do that. To, to to actually encourage them. And, and I know there's several editions and renditions of The Millionaire Next Door. I don't know how many, but I'm going to encourage people to go all the way back to the first one because I thought the first one, 100 plus pages, very impactful around the way people should be thinking you know, about work and frankly, what their opportunities could be. I'm a big fan of, you know, certainly the trades. Uh, I love trade schools. Mark and I try really hard to talk at trade schools because we think that, you know, there's a huge advantage. So my comment today, especially to parents that are high school of high school kids, you know, look into other variations. There's tremendous opportunities. The apprenticeships. I mean, just just ask yourself, what does your electrician make? What does your plumber make? You know, those are the sort of questions that I think is really important in today's marketplace. All right. So again, moving on to the grads, the college graduates. I've had the opportunity to listen to and talk to a lot of college graduates over the years. And recently what I'm hearing is that they, and and I don't mean this to sound negative, but there is a bit of an entitlement that's being taught in our universities, right? They owed something. And, And that troubles me. And I'm not saying it's across the board, but there's, there's a, there's an inkling of it in the marketplace. For college graduates, unless you went to college to be a lawyer or a doctor and, you know, whatever, the likelihood is, is I don't know what the percentages are, but let's take the 80-20 rule. 80% of college graduates today kind of fall into their career. Mm-hmm. They may have an idea of what they want, right? But in the, in the end, they may not get that job. And, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. You can still navigate once you're in a company. My encouragement to college graduates is two things. One, you've got to differentiate yourself in the interview cycle, right? We can talk about the extroverts, the Bill McDermott's, the, the salespeople that are just natural in an interview and everyone loves them versus the extrovert, uh, versus the introvert. I'm an introvert. I've had to learn my, you know, how to be outwardly you know, conversational with a lot of people. It's not something that comes natural to me. But the for the 
introvert, my encouragement is, and you know, let's take you know, all the engineers or, or you know, a lot of the players in the marketplace that frankly aren't salespeople. Yeah. Differentiate yourself by doing research. And in today's world, research is so easy. It was so hard. And when you and I were growing up, we had to, you know, we had to make phone calls to people that we knew versus actually going on the internet. But do do the research. Know about the company. Have talking points that will allow you to be to 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 show that you really are interested, that you're different than the rest of the candidates that are just coming through, you know, and really just doing the interview because you know it's a step in the process. The other thing that I find is really interesting is, is because of social media, once you know who you're interviewing with, you can go out and research the interviewers, find out what they like, find out what kind of personality they are. What you need to do and what you need to accomplish in the interview is, is make a connection. Mm -hmm. Maybe you're not going to make a connection with the hiring manager, but maybe you're making a connection with the peer interviewer. You need an advocate in the interview cycle that's going to go back at the end of the day when they do the debriefing of all the candidates they met and say, well, I met Bob and I liked him. I connected with him. Now you've made yourself, you know, you've differentiated yourself in the interview cycle. And that's important for you to be able to do. And it isn't, it isn't always because you're an extrovert because you just have this natural people skill. You can be, you know, frankly, a frightening introvert and still do the research and make a personal connection. The likelihood is if you're in an interview for, a, you know, for a, for for an engineering you know, position, one of the interviewers or maybe one of the maybe more than one of the interviews are also introverts. Yeah. Make that connection. Do your research and more research you can do on the company so you can actually have some really good questions. You can ask hard questions about conversational points about where the company's going. And, hey, I just saw you bought this company that makes you different in the interview cycle. Well, Pat, you know, the the differentiation, I think, is so critical there. It's great advice. And I think there's probably a lot of people who fall more on the introvert end yeah. of the spectrum who say, well, to differentiate myself, I guess I have to try to pretend I'm an extrovert, which will not work. So that genuine nature of here's what I'm really good at. Here's what I can dig into. I care enough about this opportunity that you've given me with this interview to find out about your company, what you do, your market, your competitors, and you, the uh, person I'm talking to here, Pat. So yeah. it, it's great advice, in the, but don't try to be somebody you're not, right? No, exactly. Be yourself. And I, and, and I coach a lot of people in the interview cycle. I'm very fortunate my career has been able to allow me to do that. And I, I, I always end at the coaching session before the interview. Have fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Draw a curtain down between all your anxiety, right? Don't worry about getting an offer. Worry about the interview. Just focus on the interview. Don't worry about whatever next steps. Yeah. Focus on the interview. Be yourself. Have fun. And the and it's going to resonate with the interviewers, you know, that, wow, I, I like this guy. I could work with this person, uh-huh. right? And that's important for them to, again, make a connection. And that's what's really important. Enjoy yourself and have fun. Well, Pat, I'm going to put you on the spot here just a little bit in a friendly yep. way. But at the beginning, you said, now, this is this is just Pat's opinion. This isn't based on a lot of data. But how many people would, you know, approximately have you um, sort of, advised or counseled about this sort of thing, right? It's probably a pretty meaty number, right? Mm-hmm. 
you yep. you've got a real big base on from which you're offering right. this advice here. So I'm very fortunate, Bob, to have spent a lot of time with the early talent. I, I played a role in the companies I work for, you know, to really be able to talk to them once they were on board. I've done two things. One, I've, I've, I still to this day coach people in their interviews. And, and I've done it from individual contributor all the way up to CEO level player. But the other thing that I've done and I've been very fortunate is, and I, and I want to talk about this as a next step, which is once you're in the job, figure out who your assets are in that company. And so what I've done a tremendous amount of coaching is once you're in the company, how do you navigate to the right position that you really want? Or you're better yet, maybe you don't know you want it, but you're actually very good at because you've now started to realize, oh, I have these strengths here. And I didn't think I had those strengths because now I'm in this company and I'm starting to learn about my own my own abilities. So it's it, the, the, the idea of coaching someone, whether it be for a first time interview or once they're in the company. And I still do an awful lot of that coaching when they're in the company. How do you navigate and how do you really build your career? Because frankly, it's on you. It really is you, the individual. There are people that will be your advocate. Very few individual contributors or middle managers end up with advocates. You really need to get up to that executive level. But, you know, so you can't assume that you're going to have an advocate. So you've got to be the one that actually asks the hard questions and learns yeah. how to navigate within the company. So the answer to you is, I don't know the number. It's, it's I'm blessed to say it's thousands. Yeah. Well, it Pat, you know, the the other thing that seems to be happening now is, and I, I think it really builds nicely with what you were saying a moment ago about uh, early talent. You've got a pretty good sense of what you want to do, but, you know, in our early 20s, mid-20s, you don't always know exactly uh, everything that comes along or an emerging talent. And then from the other side, you've got these companies that are themselves transforming and changing dramatically now. So what the company might have wanted two or three years ago, it might be very different what they want now. And you might be right in the midst of something like, hey, we've never had this position before. We're creating some new ones to meet new opportunities we've got going on. So that sense of flexibility and a, a broad range of our being able to project, these are the tools I have. This is sort of broadly what I think I'd like to do, but I'm not going to I'm not going to sit and wait and wait and wait for this one real narrow position that I think is perfect. I, you've talked before, Pat, about the need, you know, jump into some opportunities with exciting companies, right, to understand what it is that really makes your heart beat faster. What do those companies value more clearly? Where is the market, are the market trends heading? And how can that all sort of cascade together to build this career instead of just, you know, one-off opportunities? Yeah. And, and when you start and you step back when you're young, you don't think about this, but when you step back and realize my career will span, what, 35 years, 30 years, 40 years, I don't know, you know, depending upon, frankly, how successful you are, yeah. you have a huge opportunity to actually realize that I've got to I've got to learn how to adjust and navigate versus expect, you know, that I'm going to get the job I want right out of the right out of, you know, the, the graduate uh, university degree that I have. So what I tell, what I suggest, I don't tell, what I strongly suggest, particularly early talent is, is 
look for companies in the field you feel like you want to be. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the bigger companies will naturally have bigger training programs. Mm-hmm. Identify companies that you can identify in the industries you like that actually have the funding and the training programs. Mm-hmm. But here's where here's where I'm struggling with today's early talent because I'm reading, <clears throat> I'm hearing it from them and I'm hearing it from my clients, my companies that early talent today goes into the job and kind of immediately expects that they're, they're going to get promotability. Mm-hmm. And what I'm finding is, is that a lot of early talent is making a huge mistake in their career by actually moving from one job to another, from one company to another after 12 months, because the next company offers them something a little worth more money or worse or better actually offers them a, a step forward. My advice is don't. That's a mistake. Mm-hmm. The interview, the company that you work for needs to be the place that you prove you've got the abilities to get hired, be successful in the job, and then take a promotion. One of the things that I've always looked for in, in a resume particularly of an early talent, individual contributor is, did you stay long enough at a company and they valued you and you got a promotion versus what we still to this day call job jumpers that move from one company to the next for that promotion. And and again, I'm not saying it's bad, but, it, but I do think in time, it'll come back and haunt you. Uh-huh. Pat, the... Uh, uh... Some of the things you talked to about uh, as well there, you know, at a different point in uh, the the new nature of the sort of questions that the applicant or the interviewee has to raise. And does that span, Pat, from, you know, some entry-ish level positions all the way up to seniors? Yeah, I mean, again, because of the internet today, you really, and it doesn't matter what level you're interviewing for, you need to do your homework. You need to put an effort into finding out what the company does. What's their success? You know, what have they, you know, financially, where do they stand? Are they upside down? Who's there? If it's a pre-IPO, who's their private equity? How much do they have? And does the private equity have invested? And how? what percentage of company do they get with that investment? Yeah. You, in the, today's market, and, and, and I'm, again, not trying to be political because I just think the economy certainly is going to continue to falter or, or stumble. I, I don't know. You know? Um, but I think for the next 20, you know, 12 to maybe even 24 months, we have to be asking the questions. And, and, I, and, I, and I, this is a topic I encourage more of those executives and middle managers that are looking for the equity stake. Mm-hmm. I'm saying to them, you really need to ask, do you have the funds for a prolonged downturn? Yeah. Have you, you know, and if you're a private equity funded or venture funded company, does your private equity partner have the funds? Most, a lot of, and, I, and you know, we're blessed to have private equity investors out there for sure. But a lot of the smaller mid-tier um, private equity companies have invested their money into their portfolio. Do they have enough operating capital to, you know, really ride out a downturn, whether it be 12 months or more, uh, before they start yanking funds back out of their portfolio to be able to sustain their own, you know, their own ability? And and I and so I'm encouraging. I say to my friends and 
the people I coach at the executive level, you're going to have to, you have to ask questions you've never asked before. Yeah. And yeah. they, and it's hard to, to ask that question, but you need to know, if, especially if you're at that point in your career where maybe this is your last step and yeah. it's a private equity funded and, you know, and it pays you out to be able to retire, you know, the way you desire, um, you need to be able to ask the harder questions that, you know, we've, we've never asked these before. Yeah. And Pat, if on the other end, when those questions are asked, if the, the, the person say at a PE firm or the PE funded firm, if they get real bristly and defensive about that, maybe that's an indication that, hmm, yep. okay, yep. you know, maybe they do have enough money to write out 10 downturns, but if they get, if they can't see that this is a part of the today's reality, then maybe that's not a good, right. a good place to land. So a new sets of questions to align with the, the circumstances that exist today. And as you said, are, are likely to be here for another 12 months, maybe a little more. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and it goes back to, you know, even um, the middle management players that we, we certainly talk to and that really do, you know, run the businesses. Um, you need to know, especially if you're affected in a layoff, you need to also recognize that maybe to now in today's economy isn't the time for you to be looking for that high risk reward scenario that you might have looked for two years ago. Maybe the bigger company is the place to land, knowing that they're funded well. They're, you know, big companies, big tech companies out there, they got plenty of money in the bank so they can survive the downturn. Um, maybe it's the place, you know, for you to take a, a career opportunity, you know, for the next couple of years. You can navigate once in the company or, again, you know, use that as a platform to build your your strengths, get more education, get the, you know, the distance learning opportunities to, you know, to really continue to grow your skill sets and then decide when the economy, you know, frankly, stabilizes, you know, that maybe then you're going to be going back into that high risk reward opportunity that you're looking for. Yeah, yeah. Well, <clears throat> Pat, a couple of things that jumped out to me from your conversation today was one about the need at, at any stage to differentiate, to be aware of the current climate, to assess that within any individual's own directions, goals, the arc of the career they want to build. But also this really came through about these questions, right? At a time like this, it's perfectly okay for the company doing the interviewing to ask the applicant a different sort of question, some tougher ones, harder ones. What goes in the other direction as well, right? So it can feel a little uncomfortable, but um, I, you know, the applicant has rights too. Uh, and is to take that yep. accountability or responsibility on yourself to say, I am going to ask some of these questions and if it makes somebody uncomfortable, then maybe that's not a good fit. Right, right. And 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 it doesn't matter what level you're at. It the interview is a very um, challenging opportunity. I don't care how good you are, how professional you are. And so what, what I encourage everyone is, don't worry about getting an offer. Don't worry about the future. Worry about the interview, the moment today, uh -huh. the interview you're in. Draw a curtain down for the, for the future and just say, I'm going to be my best. I'm going to be myself. I'm going to be my best. I'm going to, be prepared. I'm going to ask the right questions. I'm going to ingratiate myself so that 
I do end up with some connect. I look forward to being a little bit personal so I can make a few connections in the interview cycle. But don't worry about what the result is. Worry about don't worry about it. Just be yourself and 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 really work hard to do the interview for the moment. If it goes well, great. If it doesn't go well, then frankly, it's not a company you want to be at anyways. Yeah. And, and and then, you know, I always say to my, you know, the people that I coach, take each interview cycle as an individual segment and be prepared for it. And at the end, if you get the offer, then you get to choose whether or not you're going to accept it or not. Huh. Don't worry about getting the offer in the interview because it'll distract you from <laughs> exactly the you know the opportunity you have to present yourself and frankly you know give them a real view of not only who you are but your skill sets and your capabilities and your passions and you know the dynamics that matter in the interview to make that connection yeah so pat it's almost like when you put those curtains up around and put your worries and concerns outside of there in doing that you open up the curtain inside to let those other people see who who this person is. Exactly. Exactly. So I love and, that. Have fun. Right. And, in, and and as we see the market continuing to struggle, we will see the companies today that are interviewing multiple people for that same role. You have to assume that. So how do you differentiate yourself in the in the slate of candidates that that company is interviewing? Whether you be a college graduate and you're just getting your first entry level role, or you're a CX, you know, C-suite player that's looking for that equity stake, you know, to really build your, you know, your your portfolio for retirement. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It's the same mental attitude of being yourself, having fun, but being prepared. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, Pat, I love the book recommendation, too, about The Millionaire Next Door uh, that, uh, you know, would be a, a good book for high school, uh, early college students to read. And then also, Pat, you know, for people who would like to see more about, you know, what you and your company do, where could they find that? Appreciate that, Bob. So uh, we are, Mark Hatfield and I are partners in this business. It's CareerAv, and our website is CareerAv.com. Okay. All right. Well, Patrick, as always, it's a pleasure. Great stuff. Uh, love the thoughts. Love the advice here. And as we're recording this, we're about 10 days out from Thanksgiving. So I wish you and your family a very, very fabulous uh, Thanksgiving holiday. You also enjoy your, your family time and your new grandchildren. I'm. It's just such a blessing to have family around, isn't it? So thank you, Bob. I appreciate it. All right, Pat. Thank you. And folks, thanks to all of you for being with us here. Hope your holidays go well. We look forward to seeing you again soon here at Cloud Wars Live.